Hour number two of the Hoffman Show here on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Linnell Willingham is here with us. Of course, I'm Craig Hoffman. If you're new to the show, what's up? What's happening? I got a tweet earlier today, uh, Linnell. Mm-hmm. Someone who... Uh, shocker. Someone long tweeting time, Long time uh, 106.7 The Fan listener was like, I just realized Craig had his own show. And I'm like, gotta find you. Hey gotta, man, we just gotta we gotta get keep getting the word out. You to know? your credit, he's probably been living under a rock because you've done a great job pumping and promoting the show. You come up on my YouTube suggestions at night. Well, it just which depends is on what you use, right? Like, yes, you know, if you sure. if you're not on social media, then mm-hmm. like it's hard to know unless you're just like, ah, oh, let's see what's going on in 980 these days. Oh, this guy who I used <laughs> to listen to on whatever other stations, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Um, my bad. Welcome. Oh, you're good. No, the, the camera still looks. This I was camera about still to say. looks. <laughs> Linnell can't see himself on camera. It's horrible, here. bro. I know. I'm sorry. There, there's not no, really fine. a good way for this to. The way we have it set up, there's not a good way for you to see yourself. I'm in 1080p though, so that's all that matters. I'm in HD. To yeah. People. Although I do think the way we fix the lights that now uh, you got a little. We we somehow we went from not having shadows to having them. I don't know. Everywhere. It's fine. That's fine. It's fine. Um, just it's your mic shadow, so it's it that's, is what it is. There you go. Okay. Now you still hear me? Yeah, you're very you're you project very well. well. Uh, that's always been a strong suit. Yeah. Believe it or not. Um <laughs> yeah. They're not hearing you, not a problem. Yeah. All right. So um we're gonna do a little wizards actually coming up in about ten minutes. But um to start, yeah. so I, I feel like in talking to you a little bit off air, you have had I don't want to call it a full like Mia culpa, but you have reconsidered the the Dan Quinn hire. To be clear, you weren't down on it. You liked it a lot. Yes. But with the benefit of hindsight, I wonder if Dan Quinn would have actually been your favorite coach to come here yeah. seeing that this how this staff has come together. I think that's the big coup for landing a guy like Dan Quinn who we threw the retread label on him and people were concerned about, you know, his shortcomings in Atlanta and how would he do uh, in his second act as a head coach? Like Craig just alluded to, Mike McDonald was probably my number one guy throughout the entire process. Knowing what I know now about Dan Quinn's staff, if we got to do a little, like, what's it called, catch 22 and go back and have a revisionist history. I, I don't think, think that's what a catch 22 that's is. That's not a catch 22? No, we just we use a time machine. Go back. Use a time machine. Anyways. A catch 22 is like when you're caught between two things where you don't really have a good option. Well, some people felt like that as far as this coaching uh, search went. That is true. But... I think for Mike McDonald, the struggles, I don't want to call it struggles, but his staff is not completed yet. And he was hired before Dan Quinn was. That is true. So there are some hurdles and challenges that he's having to face. And we know this, Craig, you being on Washington's beat for several years, know how important it is, right? That relationship between coaches and players. And I know the head coach gets a lot of the attention for the success. But I think your team is only as good as your assistants are because those are the guys that are probably spending more one-on-one individual time with the players. With that being said, I think Dan Quinn and the staff that he's put together probably blows Mike McDonald's staff out of the water and Ben Johnson, for that matter, who we don't know uh, how he would have filled out his staff. So, like, in hindsight, I feel better about the Quinn hiring now that I know the staff, even though there's one member of the staff that I'm a little bit concerned with. Who's that? Ryan Kerrigan. I don't, and I love HK. I love trying to keep former players in the the role, in the fold, and in the rotation, and all that. But as a pass rushing specialist, he had one move. He was a one trick pony as a pass rusher. And I don't mean to say that facetiously or like talk down on Ryan. He was a darn darn good player. Yeah. I just don't. 
see the benefit of him being a pass rush specialist. So I think there's a lot more to pass rushing than moves, right? And I think that a lot of things that you talk about as a pass rusher aren't about like, let me teach you some new moves. It's not like you come in every day and you're like, ah, let's let's work on spin moves today, guys. It's about angles. It's about leverage. It's about Mm -hmm. things that he understood in a way that allowed him to have double-digit sack seasons. Um Double digit sack seasons, despite only having one, you know, great move. But he was a guy that could, you know, didn't necessarily need moves. He could understand right. speed to power and, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things. So I, I do think that a lot of the move stuff is kind of what guys work on in the offseason or you have naturally, sure. um, as opposed to the the leverages and kind of the how do we run our games and things up front. And And one thing that I actually love this for Ryan as much as I do for the team is like, that's Dan Quinn's background. Right. You know, Ryan and DQ right. getting to pick each other's brains is going to be great for both of them. But I think it's in terms of teaching it, like obviously Ryan's going to be able to learn a lot from Dan and, and that's going to make him a better coach. And you know, this is the place that he for wants sure. to live. His family's here. Um, I mean, I, Ryan, I know, spends a lot of time out in California um, and did as a player as well. But like, I, I think that like this is the place he sees his home. And if he can work with this organization and for once, once someone that is homegrown can actually pan out for Washington, like that'd be sick. <laughs> You know, yeah. could you imagine Novel Liddell? concept, huh? You know, know. we've had, we've produced some good media members over the years. Yes. Your Santana Mosses, your London Fletchers, your Logan Paulsons, for instance. But, you know, it, to, to have someone actually help the football operation would be, uh, would be sweet. So, yeah, I'm not. And he's also like, he's so far down on the list. All due respect right. to Ryan, but like, can he have an impact? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But I, I think it's hard for him to do super damage. Um, although, you know, that is the one spot that's still open. Um, not although, like worth mentioning, the one spot that's still open is who Ryan Kerrigan is is going to most directly report to in the oh, D line coach. No, if, if that was filled. Did you not Daryl uh, Tap? Daryl. Oh, they got Daryl Tap. Daryl Tap. Yeah. When did that happen? That happened during the Chris Russell show. We we broke that during our show. Yeah. Anthony, how do we miss that? Yeah. Daryl Tap is yeah. I'm sorry. How do we miss Daryl? Tapp? Sorry, you're welcome. I don't know how to put it, but yeah, Daryl Tap is the new D line coach here in Washington. Uh, I we had our meeting with CK. That's how we missed it. Oh. Okay. Ah, you were in. You, you know what reason. it is. It's the boss's fault. Ah, ah those but darn no. bosses. I, I wanted to ask you too, because me and that's Russell, a great hire, by yeah, the way. That dude's been around for tremendous. Forever. And if you talk to people in San Fran's organization, they viewed him in a similar light as they viewed D'Amico Ryan's, and we know what D'Amico was able to. Which, go by on the way, do. is crazy that they then yeah. let him. go. If they thought of him as D'Amico, like and like they fired Wilkes today. Woo. DQ's got Wilkes. some pull, man. That's that's part of it. And Adam Peters also has some pull. So that's true. That's huge. I love the amount of former players that we have on the roster, and that's what I'm most excited about, specifically on defense and the ability to to get the most out of certain guys like Cam Curl if you decide to bring him back, and Emmanuel Forbes and Jamin Davis. I'm excited for the young nucleus that Washington has on defense because no matter how good you thought they were in, let's say, 2022. I think they can exceed that this this coming year because the staff is a lot better. I think they can too, and I think the thing that's exciting is we're going to find out really quickly who's yeah. good and who's not, and that's the thing. Right that I away, think yep. Last year was so frustrating. Is and people? I, I was talking texting about this with. I think it was Logan, but it might, it might have been someone else on the B the other day. But um, we were talking about how like everyone is so down on this roster. Um, like, you know, Kurt Benkert, uh, who's kind of starting to blow up in the digital space. who's an mm-hmm. NFL quarterback for five years and he's doing a bunch of fun stuff on YouTube. And Kurt was like, Hey, I would trade down out of that second pick if I was Washington and try to get a haul because that roster needs so much help. And I think 
that is kind of the national perspective. And look, we said during the offseason last year, like, hey, this roster isn't as bad as the national people think. And turns out that we were wrong. And so were <laughs> they. It was actually worse. Right. Um, but at least that's how it played. But I kind of actually think it was so poorly coached that there may actually be more talent yeah. than people realize. And it's got to get coached up well. And if it is, then, oh, my God, there could be a revelation this year defensively, which I'm not saying is going to turn them into a playoff team in year one, depending mm. on what happens at quarterback, but like could make them far more formidable. But I think what we definitely know is, based off the quality of this coaching staff, if if they do play poorly again, it's going to be because these players are not very good. It's yep. not going to be because the coaching is bad. Like, AKA, we going to find out. <laughs> Exactly. And one guy I would circle going into the offseason who kind of came on a little bit with more opportunities at the end, KJ Henry. I think his body type and him being moved around, I think he's got inside-outside like pass rush ability. So I'm, I'm curious to see how DQ and company line him up. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe next week we – well, actually, I'm, I'm out next week. So, uh, But two weeks from now or uh, whenever we next do this, we should definitely start talking about – how some of the quarterback dots line up because I know yeah. you've been watching those guys yes. a lot. Uh, if you want some more thoughts from Linnell on the quarterbacks, make sure you follow him on Twitter. And of course, you can check him out whenever he is on, whether it's with Chris Russell uh, on Wednesdays from one to three, uh, or sorry, from one to four. That's when my show starts because that's when that show <laughs> ends. Uh, one to four, uh, or on overtime or the weekends over on 1067 The Fan. But next, um, I want to get into some of the, the wizard stuff. We talked to Josh Robbins on the show yesterday about some of his reporting. Um, there is some interesting stuff to, to chop up here on kind of the direction this team is going in the final 30 games of the yeah. season. Linnell and I will hit that next here on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Get back to the commanders and never read the comments coming up at 530, uh, which should be an adventure, Anthony, because uh, guess what I didn't do? <laughs> Read the comments? You didn't pull the comment. Yeah, I, I've read so many comments, but I did not isolate any uh, any comments. So Well, I read the comments pretty often on your uh, on your work, and people are people are actually very nice to you in the comments. So I generally they speaking, don't get crazy. They get crazy sometimes, I, I would say. I will say I I will do this a little bit and never read the comments. Um, and I want to make like a separate video on it. Mm-hmm. But did you catch the interview with DA where DA poo-poo everything on, up yeah. did you see what everyone was commenting on in that video no i didn't read the comments on that one oh so there was a woman who was walking around behind us and it looked like i was looking at her like i kept like checking her out <laughs> it's not oh, what man. happened it absolutely looks like it i'm not even <laughs> going to try to pretend like it didn't okay but i will and never read the comments <laughs> in 10 minutes i will reveal what i was actually looking at well, which is wait. Far more sorry and sad. Actually, it's not. Like, we shouldn't be ogling okay. women. That's that's not a thing. Women are not there as, for, as, as things for us to look at. They're people. Um, but it is far less exciting, certainly, and far less, uh, far more pragmatic than the mischief that it appeared I was up to. Um, so we will... Whew. Yeah. Oh, it's funny, too, because you know who was sitting at the table with me, like, a cr- on the other side of the camera? Oh. was Rachel. Like, my wife was there. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it's it's y'all were getting it in out there, man. Getting the workouts, and you you were one of my favorite people to follow during Super Week, man. You did a hell of a job with the interviews. What what was your favorite interview? Like, Um, if people people want to check stuff out and they don't want to hear me talk about my own content, what was your favorite? I like when you I like when you get feisty and push back a little bit. So Lombardi, you with Lombardi was like I would watch that five days a week. Like 
it was good. I, I understood where he was coming from. Right. He has a negative. That's just his shtick and his bit. It feels like at this point, he's credible though. He knows his ball, but like I thought, you made good points, and I like the way you challenged him. I thought it was good. Yeah, there's part of me like it's. It, I like Justin hard. Pugh too. That was Pugh good. was great. Yeah, I, I definitely Pugh. want to have have him back on. Uh, the show. Actually, I'd really love to get him with Logan because, especially now, he's just uh, two brainiacs in a room. Well, it's. I mean, it's also he's played for Cliff, but he also played for Bobby Johnson last year. So, like, That's I want to. I want to know how those two mesh. So, I gotta. Huh. I like. And I were talking about that the other day. Like, which avenue do we go to? Uh, do we go down their Syracuse Avenue? Do <laughs> we go down? Uh, There's do plenty we, of them. Yeah, to, That's to the get point. To, to get to Justin Pugh, but that's definitely uh, definitely someone that we want to. Get back on the show. All right. So here's uh, what we want to do right now, though. I want to talk a little Wizards. Um, so mm -hmm. the Wizards ultimately don't stand completely pat at the deadline, but they yeah. make one move that was kind of unexpected. Daniel Gafford, of all people, winds up getting traded. Gafford uh, gets moved for a first rounder in Rashawn Holmes. Pretty good return. Mm -hmm. uh, he then promptly scores 16 and grabs 17 boards against the Wizards. The other night uh, in Dallas's win, uh, as, as Kyle Kuzma said afterwards, that dude's got the easiest job in the world right now. Just wait for Luca to get double, sure. run towards the rim, and know that he'll find you, and then yeah. grab every rebound available. Um, but uh, I, I think a lot of Wizards fans were upset because Tyus Jones, Delon Wright, yeah. Kyle Kuzma, amongst others, uh, don't get traded. And we learned from Josh Robbins in the Athletic that in fact there was a deal on the table for Kuzma that the Wizards go to Kuzma and are like, "Hey, like we'll do this, but we're not like." It's kind of your choice on this. Yeah. It's not like a blow us out of the water deal. And Kuz was like, no, I'd rather stay. Um, so are, are you in that group of like, what are they doing? Or do you like the the attempts at chess that this office or this front office is playing? I like the way you put it, right? It feels like there's a little bit of chess going on. The Kuzma thing, just to add a little bit more to, to Josh's reporting, and I also obviously talked to Josh about this as well. As late as, like, Wednesday night, like into the wee hours of Wednesday night, they had a deal on the table with Dallas to, to send Kuzma there, and I believe that's probably when that conversation ended up happening and they decided to pivot the next morning. The big question mark, though, is, like you just mentioned, you still got Tyus Jones on the roster, who's going to be a free agent this summer. You still got DeLone Wright on, on the roster, who's going to be a free agent this summer. It makes me kind of scratch my head a little bit as to like why they didn't move off of those dudes in Tyus's case. And I'm sure you've, you've hit on this already, Craig. I think he's highly regarded throughout the league that there's a big sign and trade potential there to where maybe you get better picks than you're getting right now at the deadline. But I don't know, man, we were talking about it during the break. I just feel like Tyus being on the roster not so much DeLone, Shamit as well. Like, they're taking shots away from dudes. And, like, that's more of my thing, especially with the emergence of Corey Kispert and Danny Avdia here over this last, like, month-and-a-half, two-month stretch. Like, those guys need the ball in their hands more. And I understand the conversation of Tyus being a tremendous setup man and, like, having gravity to get these guys shots. But at some point, I think we need to, like, maybe revisit the discussion as to what the ceiling is for Denny Avdia and Corey Kispert, because I think we look at them as like fringe starter rotational players. Corey Kispert may be a starter in this league on a championship team. Denny Avdia may be a starter in this league on a championship team. I think you're getting a lot of good stuff out of them now, but imagine if they had a little bit more freedom on the offensive side of the ball to really show who they could, 
you know, eventually develop into. So you just hit on a couple of things there that I think are interesting. Um, first is that, let me just work in reverse order. Mm-hmm. Denny and Corey are fourth or fifth starters at max on a championship team. And when you're the fourth or fifth starter, that doesn't mean that you need more opportunity. You need to learn how to become a star in that role. Right, like so, opening it up and seeing, like, hey guys, be Even the second Denny, best player. You feel that way? I don't feel like, like, if Denny Avi is taking eighteen shots a night for you, you're not going to win a championship. And so, Denny needs to understand on a championship team. I think now that doesn't mean that uh, during the regular season he can't have nights like that. Uh, but mm-hmm. like playoffs, like what is what is his optimal role? I think he devotes most of his energy to the defensive end. He gets out and runs and gets you easy buckets in transition. He can handle the ball a little bit, but like in the half court, I'm not putting the ball in his hands. I'm just, I I would love to see him continue to develop that part of his game. I think he should work on that. But the yes. idea that like this dude needs more shots, he needs to be a featured part of the offense so that we can figure out what he is. And it's like, you 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 think he could be the a second best player on a championship team? Because if not, why are you giving him a bunch of half court possessions, right? right? So that's that's part of it. And I think Corey is a guy like I think Corey's ultimate side style is someone like a JJ Redick, who you actually do run a lot of offense for, but you run it in part because of his gravity and his mm-hmm. constant motion that creates things He's and opportunities for others. He's very very yeah. smart. He can attack off the dribble. Like his numbers are tremendous from an efficiency standpoint this year. Um, To the point that I wonder if he could be a huge, like if I was the Lakers, like I would, I would probably give up a first round pick for Corey. Yeah. You got Um, to. So that, that's the kind of thing that I think we need to think about. But I, I, here's the analogy that I'll use Mm -hmm. when it comes to Bilal, when it comes to these other guys, when you have a, you're baking a cake, how much, how much baking do you do, Leno? Not much, Craig. Okay. I like cookies. But here's okay, so you, <laughs> let, we can bake cookies day. instead. Let's and if that. the recipe says bake at 400 for 20 minutes. We know that if we try to bake at 800 for 10 minutes, it's not going to work. <laughs> right. And that is what a lot of fans I feel like want to do when it comes to player development. Yeah. Is you got to get him shots. You got to get him more, more, more opportunities, more looks, more with the ball in his hands, more this, more that, more minutes and it's like you're just trying to burn the kid out yeah. because you can't take a recipe that says bake at 400 for 20 minutes, find an, a, an oven that goes to 800. Those don't really <laughs> exist outside of like, I don't know, fu- like open fire, yeah. uh, but 800 degrees and cook it for 10 and expect to get a, a perfectly done cookie. These yeah. things take time. Player development takes time and it takes ramping up the like the opportunities and and the experiences at a certain pace and level to maximize the player. I know there's a lot of numbers talking about usage rates at young age for some of the best players in the league, especially when they were teenagers. But like a lot of these guys, they had the usage rate because they were that great. You don't develop into that. Right. And I think that's where people get twisted with some of the numbers is they have their cause and their effect backwards. I, I agree with what you're saying. I think an increased usage, though, for Denny specifically, I'm curious to see what the what the outcome is because sure. the jump he's made from last year to this year, to me, is so sizable that you have to wonder, hmm, is he just now starting to get it and we're going to see another leap like that this offseason? Because another thing about it that we kind of like omit is his jump has also come with Bradley Beal not being here. More shots. And – the contract that he signed this offseason, when, when you talk to him, he constantly is talking about the confidence that came with that contract, and you could see it when he plays. I'm to the point where with him, it's like, I'm, I'm not saying he's a point guard, and the Luka Doncic comparisons were crazy coming out of his draft, but like, 
Right. I can see him being a guy that starts for you and then is maybe your lead play initiator with the second unit. So I do agree ultimately what you're saying. They're probably like fourth and fifth starters on championship teams. But Denny is like, hmm, he's still young enough. The shot has taken a tremendous step forward. Like Huge step forward. I mean, he's, he's shooting 39% from three. It's year. nuts, Craig. Like in the attempts, obviously, you want to see those go up so we know if this is real or, or if he's just doing it in the limited sample size. But that's kind of my argument for getting them more opportunities. I don't think it would hurt them. So, I mean, Denny's now 23 years old, and mm-hmm. we talk about this massive leap. And he has. He's, he's four points per game. Uh, his rebounding numbers are actually exactly the same. Like, even offensive-defensive rebound splits right. are exactly the same from last year per game. Um, and then his assist number has jumped one per game this year. Um, the transition points is the big thing, and it's kind of like a sure. analytic. And, it, and, and as, as a result, by the way, his field goal percentage has gone from 43% to 52% in the field. Right, and right. another huge part of that is he's, he's taking – a little bit less from three, but he's getting mm-hmm. much higher quality and making them at a much higher percentage um, as he is he is 39.2% from three When you year. read that, it makes me smile, bro. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like to be clear, I think Denny Avi is a really good player. I'm yeah. really happy for Denny. He seems like a great kid. I've really enjoyed talking to him at all times. And he's doing this, by the way, in a season where I can't imagine what he's <laughs> going through mentally considering what's happening in Israel. That's why you're um, a man and, for bringing and that up. His, yeah. his homeland. Um, he's got friends and family that he's worried about all the time. Constantly. Um, but... With all of that said, like we're talking about a guy that's averaging 13 and 6, 13, 6, and 4. Like we're not talking about a guy who's all of a sudden averaging 18 a game. And I but, feel like sometimes that's the way the discussion goes. And it's like, no, yeah. he's averaging 13, which is fine. But like if he gets to 15 a game, I'm psyched. That's who I want him to be is a 15 point, right. seven rebound, four assists, shoot it really well from three, be reliable. But like that's your, that's your, third at best but probably fourth or fifth starter or yeah. i think mm. optimally like true true optimization for denny avi on a championship team he's the sixth and seventh or sixth or seventh guy maybe closes games maybe for finishes because of the defensive ability right for sure i think that's very possible but i yeah, i do think that sure. he's he's four to seven not one to three no and i and i wasn't saying that i just but there's you yeah. might not have been but you Other know you well, know whiz twitter and there's Twitter's a lot of Craig. A lot of people that are I don't know how we're doing on time. I can't believe we've gone this deep into basketball season and you're a basketball junkie like myself. What do you think about Jordan? Who I'll on the record say, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this, I've gotten to gain a little bit of a rapport with him trying to understand him as a person and relative to a basketball player because I think the mental psyche of everything that's happening with him. Well, is let me before a you get too deep. Do you have time to do one more segment? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right, let's do one more segment on that next. Uh, that also gives me a chance during this commercial break to pur- furiously pull comments for never read the comments. We'll talk about pool because I talked about this with Robbins for a while yesterday, and I'm curious to, to dive into it with you. We'll talk about pool uh, next on the Wizards front, and then uh, never read the comments at 5:45 here on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. We'll get to never read the comments coming up in about. 12 minutes uh we'll also get to the latest from kansas city in what's trending as you've likely heard by now a yeah. shooting today at the kansas city chiefs parade kind of at the end of their celebration uh the latest numbers there uh 10 victims nine wounded one dead but we'll get you more information and you'll hear from uh, the kansas city police chief coming up in what's trending right now though uh continuing our conversation on the wizards and Lino, i know that you mm-hmm. have made it a point when you go cover games which you do um, you go out to Capital One and try to get in the, the locker room. Not try to get in. like uh, You try it as in you make the effort, not yeah. as like he fights his way in. He's got a <laughs> credential, people. Don't yeah. worry. Um, but you, you've talked to Jordan Poole quite a bit this yeah. year. 
And I I think that his place on this team is obviously pretty important. It's pretty fascinating. And I think opinions are obviously, they range not from like, oh, it's great to like, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. We all know that. It's just like, where in the range of disaster is it? How fixable is it? And, And how big of a problem is it for the Wizards? It's a problem because they have nine wins to this point, and like he was supposed to be a lot better. I remember the convos we were having when the trade initially went down. I was stamping him uh, most improved player candidate, penciling him in for 25 points a night. It, it just hasn't been that, and I think it's been like that for a couple of different reasons. Just from a basketball standpoint, you go from being the third or fourth option in Golden State to now being the number one option on opposing team scouting reports. He's had to adjust to that. Um I think there's a mental part of it that he's had to overcome. Being in a new city, he's a kid that grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like, he's not a big city kid. I don't even know if the city was Milwaukee. He grew up in Wisconsin. It's not a big city kid. This is maybe probably new to him. Like, Jordan is a pretty quiet, reserved person. The one thing, being on Twitter, and it's not just Wizards Twitter, which we admit is like a toxic cesspool. Mm. Even, like, national outlets in their coverage of Jordan, it's kind of felt... Like there's, they're out to get my man, and I don't try. To, I'm not trying to seem like I'm like trying to vouch for Jordan, but some of it's unfair. If we're just looking at it from just a pure basketball standpoint, he's inefficient, not playing well. No, there's like no way to defend the basketball. No, no way like, to defend the basketball. There's just it's impossible. Him as a person, though, I think is that's what I'm kind of getting irritated with hearing some of the negative things that people have to say about him because. Getting to talk to him on a pretty regular basis, like he's a very down to earth dude that is also pretty like aware of what's happening. There's no one that wants to get out of this slump that Jordan Poole is in more than Jordan. That's what I think it's lost with all of this. But for for him moving forward and like how it affects the Wizards, like we were talking about it off air, Craig. The contract that he has isn't bad. I think he's like the 49th highest paid player in basketball right now, which is like yes, I think he's actually 50. 50th. So, like, that's not bad at all. To me, I think, and tell me what you think about this, Craig. I feel like he's being used wrong. Um, I, I want to see Jordan on the ball more, being an initiator in high screen and roll action. Like, that's that, that's who he is. I would say that is definitely something that I, at, at times, he, at times he, uh, feels very uninvolved and I think that that is a huge part of it yeah. we're just like can you can you get on the ball yeah. but I don't know how much of that is Wes and then Brian Keefe versus does Jordan need to be more assertive and this this is my question with mm-hmm. Jordan this is like if I got to sit down with him I think the conversation that I would like to have like I don't know whether I would even ask this if it was over the phone like it would be like hey man I want to sit face to face that you see I can do this with a level of humanity that is not me like questioning your place as an NBA basketball player, but like, I'm really just trying to understand is like when you watch yourself on film, what do you see? Right? Because that's the thing that I think is hard with Jordan. And I think where other players, you know, when you see people, you know, making jokes around the league or whatever, and like also where people even side with Draymond where it's like, well, look at Jordan. And it's like, look at Draymond and how he competes versus the way Jordan does. And to be very clear, what Draymond did is unconscionable. Yeah. Um, and Draymond would, by the way, say that, um, and has said that he has, has apologized for the way that that all went down. Um, point is when you watch Jordan Poole play basketball, it doesn't match the description of the character that you hear about yeah. behind the scenes. And that to me has always been the biggest disconnect. And I don't know what to make of it. And it's why I ask you about it as someone who's been in that locker room. It's why I asked Robbins yeah. about it. 
Um, if people want to check that out, make sure you go check the podcast feed uh, to, to hear what Josh had to say about kind of this disconnect of this very good person who's been great off the floor, who the organization loves, and this player who often just looks like he doesn't care. And again, the key word is there are looks like. It looks like he doesn't care. Like, watch Jordan Poole play defense. And if I'm Jordan Poole watching myself play defense, I'm going, Do I did I expect that to work? <laughs> right? Like it's real, there's though, just yeah. this disconnect where I'm like, I've heard how maniacal this dude's work ethic is, how great of a guy he is. And he gets out there and he just has this disposition and demeanor of someone who is not engaged and is not willing to fight to do what it takes to win. I do think it has been better since Brian Keith has gotten here. Him and the rest of the roster, for that matter, Craig, and I'm glad you brought that up. I think they needed a new voice. They're fighting over screens harder. They're just playing harder. Right. There's like an effort to stay in front yes. of, of people on the defensive end. And it then it becomes up. also like offensively, you know, we watch the intensity with which Corey Kispert plays. And I use that word intentionally because it's like, oh, he runs around screens. And like, yeah, of course he does. He's a great shooter. But it's like anybody could do the movement part. Right. And like, and I've talked to Corey about this multiple times where it's like they, and I talked to Wes about this back in the day. And he's like, yeah, no, you're correct. And I'm like, thank you. I'm glad that when I'm watching, <laughs> I see things uh, on, on some kind of level that is uh, truth. But like when you play basketball and someone runs into your area, you also have to move. Right. And so there's a spacing element to when Corey is running around and like cutting and playing hard and doing these things, he forces others to get involved in a way that they don't, where it's very stagnant when yep. he's not on the floor. And I do think like Jordan has that ability too. And it's part of what makes Steph Steph. Like the ultimate version of this yep. is Steph Curry because he draws so much attention. And and I've always put uh, now I'm getting super philosophical in a basketball sense, not like in a life sense. I think everyone can follow along this, but like defense is solving a math problem. Right. And it's a bunch of individual equations. And it, Linnell, if I ask you, this is not a trick question. Mm -hmm. Please, for the love of God, don't overthink it. What is one plus one? Two. Plus one? Three. Plus one? Four. And if I start all of a sudden going plus one, plus one, plus one, plus one, it all of a sudden becomes a lot harder to track right. because one switch of a screen is easy. Correct. Two is hard. Now, all of a sudden, I've got a split cut. Now, I've got this. By the way, what coverage are we icing? Are we sending the sideline? Like, yeah. you, there, that rapid or rapidity of decision making is what makes defense in the NBA really hard. Mm -hmm. And when you're stagnant, it's really easy to make individual decisions for help to be in the right place. Yep. And that is where I think someone like Jordan could be a lot more active offensively to put pressure on defenses in the same way that Corey does in the same way that Steph was, does in Golden State and some of the best players in the league do. I agree with you 100%. And like that's – give you your flowers, bro. Like you, you – said it perfectly for a guy that is so loved in the locker room and people rave about the work ethic and what type of dude he is. I'm gonna call it straight up. And I've said this to Jordan. Like sometimes it looks like you're, he's loafing out there. Right. But like, these are pro players. Like, of course they're not loafing. Right. A hundred percent. It just, it's hard to watch. And I think especially when you have a young impressionable team, like the wizards, you, you can't put bad stuff on tape consistently which is why I think what you said is spot on. Like, I would love to, like, have a sit-down convo to where it's, like, off the record and he could, like, evaluate himself. Because I think if he I would watches love himself, to watch tape with there's just no way you're going to tell like, me that hey. it's, that's acceptable. Even some of the shot attempts. And the shot attempts, I'm a little bit more lenient on, Craig, because as totally. you highlighted, if you're going to be taking 30-foot three-pointers, you better be in the gym taking 
30 put three pointers, 30 foot three pointers after practice. And by all accounts, like that is Jordan. Jordan was a gym rat this summer. Yeah, every single creative he got shot here. taker and creative shot maker. Yes. It hasn't gone particularly great this year, but like that is essentially that's what he, he do. I think the other thing too, and I know we're running out of mm-hmm. time here, but like the other thing that I think is a mystery that I would love to like get Winger or Dawkins or someone to talk about, or Keith, frankly, as a player development guy, is like if he doesn't have the athleticism, the the twitchiness that he seemed to have two years ago. And he had he didn't really have it last year in Golden State either. So like, where did that go? What what happened? And maybe he's just not 21 anymore. And like the twitchiness you have, like we see this with NFL running backs, they could still be explosive players, but like right. they lose like this twitchiness that that a college athlete has. And maybe that's Jordan's just like in his mid 20s now, and that's that's gone. But like it's just figuring hard to out think, how to get Craig. that back. Like if you watched people, fans on Twitter did like a montage of his best buckets. He just looks night and day from that guy. Yeah. And, and I, I just, it's, wild. It's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah. I, really, I think he'll turn I, it around. I really though. hope he does turn it around. If he yeah. doesn't, though, I think it's important to remember the cap is going up. Yeah. Jordan Poole's cap hit will cap out in year four at like 34 million. Not and bad. in that year, like Dame or LeBron, if they're still around by then, will be making like 78. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's like the real number. So, wow. um, or somewhere in that range. Yeah. So, like a 30, a 30 million contract. A million dollar a year contract, which is not remotely in terms yeah. of percentage of the cap what it used to be. What you're saying is me and you should have worked on our jumpers a little bit longer when we were kids. Uh, I don't think that my jumper would have been enough, Linnell. But your jumper's not the problem though, because you could actually stroke it. I give you that. I can I can shoot it all right. Not NBA all right, but I can shoot it all right. Yeah, the athleticism piece is uh it's huge. Tremendously <laughs> missing uh in yeah. the scope of NBA athleticism. All right, when we For get sure. back, a uh, very quick edition of Never Read the Comments that Mitch Tischler joins us coming up. At 6 o'clock, first, a uh, quick look at what's trending. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. All right, uh, Anthony, I think we might actually do a wacky version of Never Read the Comments. I think we might just address the one controversy that uh, has erupted in our comments section. There's 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 some uh, obvious sports takes and, and things, but we're short on time. Mitch Tischler is joining us at the top of the hour. Uh, we're excited to talk to Mitch about all things Commander's coaching staff. So, uh, Anthony, let's go ahead and uh, and fire up the comments and let's address a thing that happened on Radio Row. We tried to warn them. They didn't listen. Yeah! Every week, the Hoffman Show goes into the belly of the beast. We read those comments, baby! Never read the comments. All right. uh, Never read the comments. Typically what we do is we take your comments from the week of our videos on YouTube at Craig Hoffman at the Team 980 and we read the comments and we talk about your sports takes and all of those things. However, uh, Anthony, today there is something that needs to be addressed. Something that is quite frankly hilarious. It is one of the funniest things that has happened to me on the internet and um, I'm just like, I think I'm about to disappoint a lot of people. I will also say that I think a lot of people are going to tell me that they don't believe me, but I'm going to give you the truth because it's too stupid to make up otherwise. And that's how that's going to go down. So Anthony, do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you teased it earlier, but I'm going to start before you even tell your story. I don't believe you, Craig. I'm done. Oh. I believe. Thanks. Thanks. No, you're going to believe me on this one. You, you actually know me well enough to, yes. to believe me on this one. Yeah. So, um, 
our video with DA blew up, and it, it blew up because what happened, Anthony? What did what did DA say that that video blew up? Uh, he said, uh, mm. "Cliff Kingsbury is the biggest fraud in football." Yes, I forgot that quote. Yes, yeah, it's it's one of those. We have a, a no, a kind of a no hot takes rule on the show. Mm-hmm. We're like, if someone says something, I we shouldn't say no hot takes, but we have a. Don't take a quote out of context rule. Yeah. Right? Where if I say something and maybe it can be, can, like, it comes off in print stronger than I meant it. Anthony will be like, hey, can I put that quote up? And sometimes we'll be like, you know what? Yeah, like, I'm comfortable with that. I know people are going to say it's clickbait or whatever, but, like, I meant what I said. And people, if they want more context, can listen. And other times where I'm like, no, I know I said that, but, like, the headline doesn't really put it in context. Yep. And Anthony texted me and he's like, can I use that quote? And I was like... Hey, DA went flamethrower. <laughs> yes, you can use that quote. Is it clickbait? Sure, but like, what else are we supposed to headline the segment? That is the accurate reflection of what happened during that segment. DA mm-hmm. went on a rant, and and so a lot of eyes were on that video. Here's the thing about that video, Anthony, though. A lot of eyes weren't on me. A lot of eyes weren't on DA. Next to us was the ESPN affiliate in Wichita, and they were nice enough to split their table with a young woman who's a relatively young woman. She looked like she was maybe my age, maybe a little bit younger. Yeah, I just called myself young. What's up? I got one of those today, too, uh, by the way. On, I think it was my Greg Berhalter interview. Someone was like, this young man's a great interviewer. And I was like, I will take that as a compliment on my youthful looks because I turn 34 next week. And if that still counts as young, I'll take it. But anyway, this woman uh, was next to us and she was grinding all week, like mad respect. She didn't really have like a table because, you know, just because you have a press pass to Radio Row doesn't mean you actually have a setup. And the ESPN station was nice enough to like let her set up there and use like part of her table, their table for a while. And that kind of wound up being in the background of some of our shots. Well, at the time that D.A. sat down, this woman was seemingly trying to find someone and she was behind us for a lot of the interview. And that caught the eyes of a lot of sad men on the internet. I'm going to just presume that they're sad men because the thirst was real. Now, with that said, (laughs) there's a lot of comments like, let's see, uh, Basement Studio, which I think says it all, 7574. These two dopes need to realize what's going on behind them and GTF out of the way. Uh, Wow. Yeah, we got... Uh, let's see. Uh, I only at RJ forty two nine ninety seven. I only ended up watching this for one reason. Uh, Renji twenty six. I think we know who the MVP of this clip was. Lotta, Lotta. Yeah. Uh, these are some sick guys. Yeah, like fellas, <laughs> settle down, relax. Leaving a comment on my YouTube page ain't gonna help you get her or anybody else. That's not how that's not how the world works. Um, so now people that like have seen this clip and maybe even left comments are like, Craig, well, what about you? Because you certainly looked like your eyes were on this lady in red as well. And Anthony, let me tell you, the comments on this are out of control. Uh, we have an Englishman, E-T-S-I-D-A-N, uh, 7003 says... Uh, is that your lass in the red, Craig? I hope so. Lass is English slang for women. I, bro, I got married in the UK. I think I know what lass means. Also, I'm like alive. Uh, Rivera J33. <laughs> that lady in red got you distracted, bro. Uh, G Fatty 9038. Hey, Craig, keep your attention on your guests and not the lady in the red. 
like uh, Craig seems fascinated with the lady in the red. Literally, Anthony, dozens of comments. Keith Henry, that red got you unfocused, Craig. Laughing emojis. They were uh, having a field day. Big Dog Channel, even Hoffman can't keep his eyes off her. So, here's here's the thing about what happened. This. One, every single one of you dudes who said that she's in a red dress, you need to learn your fashion. It was a pantsuit. Um, two, much more importantly, Anthony, do you want to know who I was actually looking at? What time of the show was this? So this was 5 o'clock Eastern. Kevin Harlan. No, it was not. It was DA was on. Uh-huh. And I am going to, can I do this without exposing anything? Yeah, I can. Um, so at... Five, at five o'clock on the dot, as DA sits down, Bomani Jones texts me because Bo was scheduled for 2.15, okay. a.k.a. 5.15, because yeah. we're out in the Pacific time. Next, I tell him what table we're at, but in my mind, I'm like, I got to keep my eye out for Bo. And if you look in that video, I don't know, Anthony, if you have it up right now. I literally just pulled it up. So, it like, you're watching it. Grant. Is that Andy Reid? No, it... <laughs> No, the Andy, oh, it's, the guy the Andy that Reed look alike. Oh, and it yeah, looks a yeah, lot okay. like Andy Reid, doesn't okay, it? Okay, yeah. So, but if you look, if you scroll a little bit and watch, and you see, it definitely looks like I'm looking at this woman who's in the red pantsuit. But if you look behind her, Bomani had walked into the the area of Radio Row that was like off, off to the right there. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to make sure because those table numbers weren't actually that helpful that if I needed to flag down Bomani, I needed to keep eyes on Bo. So as DA is going on his rant and it looks like that woman is walking around. And by the way, there was times that I was looking at her, I will admit, but it was also because she was talking to my actual wife, Rachel, about coming over to (laughs) our table and using some of our space because the Wichita station needed there. So we had been in contact. And by we, I mean, my wife was talking to her and I wanted to make sure that like everything was okay there. But what I was really looking at, if you look beyond the woman in the red, which most of you proved incapable of doing, was Bomani Jones behind her, which Anthony, you see, and you see see Bomani. And where am I looking? You were looking at him. Yeah. Because I wanted to make sure that Bo knew where to go. But also, I'm looking at this video, and she's also looking at you guys. And also, she was talking to a lot of people in the area. Yeah, she like she during that segment, she definitely talked to Rachel. Yeah, and that to me is the funniest part of it because we got some comments saying like, "Oh, I hope your wife doesn't see this." And I'm like, my wife saw it in first person and had no problems because she knew (laughs) where my eyes actually were going. So I am sorry to uh, actually. I'm not sorry. I. If that disappoints you, that says more about you than me. Um, But that is the truth of what happened on Radio Row with the lady in red. I hope that she got great content and she had a great week. Um, I'm glad that we were able to help her out with a little bit of space at some point. Uh, But no, my wife is not mad at me. Yes, she found this hilarious. I, at first, was like, I have no... Like, I got mad at the first one. I was like, what are you talking about? What are you accusing me of? And then I, I got like seven more and I was like, okay, this... Clearly, I was looking at something. What was it? Oh... It was Bo. That's what happened. That's the truth. That's actually funny. It's hilarious. Uh, And I'm willing to laugh at it. It's a good time. Some of you need to get out of the house more. When we get back here on the Hoffman Show, Mitch Tischler joins us to talk about the latest additions to the Commander's coaching staff. 
and how they can block it up in 2024 in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. That is next here on the Team 980.